Hey, how are you? Welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is July 11th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. 7-Eleven Day. About that. Ooh, free Slurpee Day. I didn't even think about Go that. Get those free Slurpees. Yeah. yeah. A whole bunch of deals, actually. A whole bunch of deals? Are we, are we talking like... All kinds of stuff for 7-Eleven Day. Meat tornadoes around the table? All that. Oh, dude. In my youth. When was the last time you had a 7-Eleven hot dog? It's been been a minute. I was just going to say, in my youth, man, we used to live in Roosevelt. I think you were there a couple times, but Mm -hmm. our house that was right by University of Toledo, we lived right by 7-Eleven, and I would frequent like- 7-Eleven on Bancroft. On Bancroft, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. But dude, the tornadoes, like the meat twisters and all that shit, the hot dogs. I used to buy like the burritos, like the hot, the red hot burritos and- you microwave those, and it was always a bad time afterwards. Uh, that food is <laughs> of the worst quality. You know, they, they had a decent uh, sausage uh, biscuit. Okay. I used, to, I used to get that before work a lot. Not a big sausage Yeah, guy. but anywho. <laughs> what I did just find out about you, I honestly never knew that, is that you're also a musical fan. You just told me that right before we went I live. Am. Yeah, I am. I, uh, I went to a performing arts middle school, more mm. of necessity than anything. Okay. It was literally down the hill from our house. And my brother was super into like drama and musicals and things like that. And so I kind of just followed in his footsteps and did the things that he did and grew an affination. Affin- affination? I grew to like Affogato? musicals. Oh, okay. I, I performed in a play once. Did you really? Shakespeare, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Who were you? Demetrius. Okay, Nice. Nice. I loved it, man. I loved it. I wish it was something that my parents fostered because it was something I really enjoyed doing. I thought I was good at it. Yeah. Like just musicals and acting in general. Yeah. Just like, I definitely not musicals. I do do not have the voice or. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. I was saying, I didn't know you could (laughs) sing like that. Okay. No, I cannot, dude. I absolutely cannot. I think I can. In the car, I can. I'm a fucking star in the in the vehicle. (laughs) But like, you would have liked to like act in plays and, and. You're a man of the theater. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, dude. I never did it. It's a great time at production. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, good time indeed. What is your favorite musical? Mm. I don't know that I have a favorite musical. Not in it like that, where like I have like this favorite thing. Mm. Um, I've only seen a few off Broadway musicals, and I saw I saw Hamilton. It was good. Yeah. Uh, Mamma Mia was a blast. Someone's told me that before. I've never Mama seen it. Mamma Mia was fun, dude. It was fun. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you, you, might, you might think it might be lame, but it's just, it's just like two hours of ABBA songs. It's fantastic. Hmm. You have a great time. I, yeah, I do like ABBA songs, so that, that would work. I, I'd have to say my, my favorite definitely is it's Man of La Mancha, uh, the one about Don Quixote. Oh, say again? Uh, Man of La Mancha. Oh, oh okay. About okay. Don Quixote right and, and that just older man slipping into madness. Love, yeah. love, love that story. Hamilton was good the first time I, I saw it. I, like, I, I know people that go and see it again and like are obsessed with it. I, I don't think it's like to that level, in my opinion. I, I think it's just like, a, okay, that was, that was good. It's unique. It's a little corny with, with the with the white rappers. <laughs> it's like a little bit much after so long, but I, I like that a lot. I love, we were just singing to each other right before we started. I love the sound of music too, man. Let, sound of music, great. Great musical. Great. Oh. Love it. Oklahoma. Never seen that. What about Joseph? No? Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph in the Technicolor uh, suit? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great, great yeah. musical. Donny Osmond. Oh man, yeah, I could go for days. Me too. Yeah, I just I never knew that you were a musical guy. That 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 uh kind of surprises me a little bit to be honest with you, but I'm happy about to hear it. L- literally same for you. I I would never think at one time that you would I I would think like like it's in the same vein as like country music for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, my aunt was a drama teacher up in Detroit. Oh. Uh so growing up we went every year to her musical like production that she did. Oh nice. And then at the same time, I was like obsessed with Man of La Mancha when I was a kid, like the movie that came out in like the 70s. Uh-huh. I was obsessed with it, bro. So I think that's that's where it stems from is like kind of from there. And then it just kind of branched off to different musicals from that way forward. And then like Sarah's mom's really into them. And she gets like the many years she's gotten like the theater pass where you can go to like oh, nice. all six, seven productions they do throughout the year at certain theaters or whatever. So just keep on going and, and keep on finding ones that I love. So there are uh, numerous. I think uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think West Side Story might be my favorite. I've never seen 
it live. Like I've seen the movie, but I've never seen. Yeah, I'd love to see that production. I've heard it's great. Or fiddle. Ooh, fiddle on the roof. I thought that was my grandma's favorite. Ooh, okay. Yeah, fiddle on the roof is good. Get a little bye bye birdie. Sweeney in there. Todd. That's a great movie. You've never Barbara seen it live. Street. Yes. Yeah, I've only seen the movie. Oh, Johnny Depp kills that though. God, what range, it's man? Good. What fucking range? Correct. I, I, I've been starting Correct. to like really appreciate actors with range more and more, man. It, it, it's it's uh, such a hard thing to do, and I, there's so many actors that I think like just fall into like that typecast and like do it well. But then you have the people that like really set themselves apart that are able to do whatever the fuck they're asked to do, basically. You know, guys like Christian Bale, mm-hmm. guys like Johnny Depp, Denzel Washington. They're not playing one character all the time. That's they're I've seen them, I feel like, as 50 different things each. <laughs> the ability to take yourself out, outside of, of you or what you know or what you've learned, like, oh, this one character I know, and then, like, portray it so well so many different ways is... is I think the best at that is uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, yeah, for sure. For Daniel sure. Daniel Day-Lewis is a magician. Yeah. He's really good. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's. There I haven't heard blood. much from him lately. Oh, I think he's done. Is he done? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say. I think I he's retired. Much since there will be blood. Honestly, he did Lincoln. Yeah, really good. Gangs in New York. Gangs in New York. Oh, Gangs in New York. Him and Leo. Great movie. Is that Scorsese? Yep. Ha! Look at that A film Scorsese. knowledge. You know who's really good too is uh, Billy Bob Thornton. He is. He is. Like he but he get, plays I, I feel like, like he doesn't get enough credit. He, but he plays like the same drunk asshole a lot. He does do that very well. <laughs> I mean, he's great at it. But he, he, he very well. <laughs> Phantom uh, Thread. It looks like that was Daniel Day Lewis's last movie. Phantom. Maybe Thread. not his last ever, but the last one that he he did. It was okay. Lincoln and then Phantom Thread. Dude, what I'm super excited for, and I didn't even know they were making this movie. I just saw a commercial for it yesterday. It comes out right around my birthday, right on Thanksgiving. They're making a Napoleon movie. Oh yeah, with uh, with what's his name? With uh, with Joaquin Phoenix as Joaquin Napoleon, Phoenix as Napoleon, and Ridley yeah. Scott, the guy who did Gladiator, Alien, The Martian, like so many different really good movies. He's he's uh, gonna direct it, so I'm excited for that, dude. That's gonna be an epic movie. I feel like Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, yeah, the, fantastic. Yeah, so look for that. Do you know anything 22nd. about Napoleon? Uh, I know he was a small man that fell into power and became small obsessed man with, with it. A big swinging hog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally, I know nothing about Napoleon. I knew, I knew he was, I knew he was. Uh, he went to war a lot. That's literally all I know about Napoleon. Yeah, he fell in. He fell into power, but once he fell into power, like I know he made a bunch of like great decisions on the battlefield and helped extend like. I, th- I think it was France, right? Their empire, like, yeah. to huge lengths, like, bigger than it ever was before. I can't remember his girlfriend. His girlfriend wasn't Mary Antoinette, was it? I don't I don't know. Honestly, I'm speaking out of my ass there, but... You're asking the wrong Josephine. Fella. Her name was Josephine. <sighs> yeah, I don't know a shit ton about him. I know he became king of France. He, like, took the emperor. throne. Emperor, yeah. The first but, uh, emperor of France. Interesting. Okay. I, I just know that anyone that tries to conquer the world is a bad person at some point <laughs> they they start to lose their mind or whatever that is so i think he tried to go into russia mm, okay i keep i keep hearing this over and over when i when i like listen about like world war ii stuff about hitler going into russia and that was like his downfall and i think like the same thing did napoleon in because he tried to go into russia from from the east or excuse me from the west and uh yeah here we go he invaded russia in 1812 and it was a colossal failure. I think because it gets it got cold the win in the winter, and all his all his troops were just like, yeah, no, and uh, had no yeah. had no will to fight. Like fuck you. I dude. am excited about that though because Joaquin Phoenix is another one of those actors that can just he can just go, just give him a script and he can just go. You can just make it his own. It looked like I saw a little like a little uh, excerpt of it, and I thought it was from The Gladiator. Yeah, it kind of looks he like he was like it. putting on the crown, and he mm-hmm. had like this, like this face on him, like he like he, like he was about to climax, and you know what I mean? Like he was just like, oh, love the power, dude. I never knew this before he died. He got exiled from France, and he went to like no, no live kidding. live on like an island, and he died of just like a stomach ulcer, just some basic. Yeah, I would think like Napoleon died in battle. I don't know why. I just always would have thought right. But interesting. Died of a stomach ulcer at 51. It's a pretty long life for back then. It's pretty 51. good. 
Yeah. In yeah. 1800s? That's pretty good. Early 1800s? Interesting. All right, well, we didn't come well, Let's get on with the show. <laughs> yeah, all right. I love when we get sidetracked. <laughs> we get sidetracked very easily sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of little, little tidbits today. Um, and let's start here with the question that we posed yeah. to our listening live audience. Generally speaking, do you think that married couples who have children and who feel like they have major irreconcilable differences should stay married or get divorced? Irreconcilable. Get divorced for sure. To get divorced? Yes, absolutely. Um, 42% of uh, Americans that were surveyed agree with you that they should get divorced. 25% think they should stay married and 33% are not sure. I'm kind of in that not sure category, I think. I don't know. It's a tough thing. Every marriage is different, obviously. And sure. if you're not in a good place with your spouse and you're allowing that to spill over into day-to-day -day life, then that's definitely not good for the kids. Alternatively, divorce is not good for kids either. So I, I would say if, I, if, I, if you take a hardline stance on it, you should probably stay married and give it up to like the kids, right? Like make it so that your differences in your marriage are not bigger than a intact family for your children. And then I guess if you want to like give in a little bit, then when you're, when the kids are grown out of the house and you guys can think about it then, but I th even, even then, then, then like that, then what was, what was the point? Right. Hey, I couldn't disagree more, Frank. I think all that does all right. is, is as much as the intentions are good, it just would breed a hostile environment at, at some point, And that's bad for the kids anyway. Whereas if, if the parents can separate, find happiness, either being by themselves, perhaps with another partner down the road, you know, the parent is happy, which allows them to be a good parent to the kid. I, that's how I feel. Like, that's what happened to me. Like, my parents were thinking about getting divorced when I was in first grade, ended up getting divorced the next year. Um, but they were contemplating, like, staying together. Like, okay, we'll wait till they're 18 and then get divorced. And it's like, that would have just resulted in another... 10 years of just like an unhappy household. And, you know, I, I think that would leak into the kids way more than what have ended up happening. And I ended up, you know, expanding my family. My dad remarried. He had our, my sister Jasmine, which, you know, was one of the best things that ever happened to me just in general as like a big brother, as like a man to like look after her and take, you know, kind of be put in charge of like the lead babysitter, which I think has actually helped me like become a, a relatively good dad or like it contributed to that. Um, having the two Christmases was always awesome. You always look forward to like the multiple holidays and birthday parties. And I, I think there's like more good that came from my parents' divorce than bad. And to think of them like together, especially now with how different they are now, but like to think of them trying to stay together and keep trying to make that whole ship work. I think it would have been to the detriment of the kids rather than for the benefit of me and my brother. You're probably not wrong, but I think that speaks to a greater idea that has, that has permeated the American psyche, um, which is that, you know, your happiness as an individual is more important or more beneficial to your loved ones than is the structure of a family or the vows that you make when you get married. And I'm not saying that your situation didn't turn out good or there weren't positives about, about your situation. Um, you know, my parents are divorced. I couldn't think of them together ever, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just, is it is what it is. Um, but, but, but just having that mindset that like divorce is not only an option, but the best option, you know, I think that kind of leaves us where we're at now. And that is the uh, sixth highest divor divorce rate in the world with uh, between 40 to 50% of married couples filing for divorce every year. Wow. The United States Census Bureau suggests that the marriage and divorce rates dropped from 2009 to 2019. Usually second or third marriages in the United States have a higher divorce rate. So just even saying that sentence, second or third marriages is wild to me. Couples go through their first divorce around the age of 30. Black women divorce at a higher rate, 38.9% than women of any other race. Military divorce rate is 3% on average. I thought it would be much higher than that. I thought it'd be way higher. Yeah, I, I would have thought 3%. Those ladies at the base camps be fucking. 
<laughs> Same with the soldiers. Like, you do hear a lot of those stories, right? About like I swear, just, bro, just a whole bunch of infidelity and just yeah. weird shit going on with military, yeah, military marriages. Hmm. All, all I'll say is, I get, I, I hundred percent agree that like the better, the best way to like raise a kid is with the family. Could be looked at as selfish to say like I want to put my happiness over my marriage or whatever, but I don't see how how you can foster a, a youth or like give them all like as much love as you can and teach them how to be like truly happy in their life. If you're not somewhat there yourself, you know, I, I feel like that miserableness will just right. pass down to them one way or the other. So it's like healthier. Obviously you should try to like save your marriage. Cause like it would be better. Like it is probably better for people to stay together than get divorced. But like, if, if you're just not compatible, I think that leads to a lot of other worse shit. But like, I, you definitely should try to like save that marriage counseling and do everything you can. But if you get to that point where it's like, this is not salvageable, we're fucking miserable. Let's just, you know, let's call it as it is. <laughs> I think that's for the best. Yeah, there's truth to all that, I think. The the thing that gets me is that I think there's, I don't know if, if this is like a traditionalist view of marriage or if this is, uh, you know, something that it's not like prevalent in today's society. But when you get married, like, yeah, like you're going, you're taking the step, but but you're you're literally saying like, my life is no longer my life. And your life is no longer your life. And we are now a life. We are one in the same. There is no me without you and vice versa. And I don't even know that we view marriage like that anymore. I'm not speaking for you. Yeah, I don't view it that way. Well, it's, okay, so that's interesting because- As a married man. Right, so that's interesting because I think that that's, to me, the only definition of marriage, right? Like, the, If not, then what else is the point other than- Tax reasons. The idea right? is to be a team, but it's not to lose your self-identity. That's how you got to where you are in the first place. And that's what makes your relationship so strong is that each of you are individual, unique. You have your own likes and interests and uh, you bring different things to the table. Like you don't just become one when you're married and then all that fades because you are team this and you're team Kenzie and team Huerta. Like that, what you, who you are and how you got there shouldn't disappear just because you said I do. That's what makes well, you great. I'm not, I'm That's what makes that our country great is the differences in our country. Like that has to continue afterwards. You can't just, obviously you got to approach things as a team, like that's the best way to accomplish anything. But the way you're describing, it sounds like you lose your identity, you lose your self happiness and worth kind of. And I, I don't think that would lead to a good marriage at all. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you lose your, your self identity or you stop being you. Mm-hmm. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that when, when you get married, in, in my humble opinion, you're no longer living for yourself. Right, for sure. Yeah, you're, yeah. Now, you're now living for your family, for your last name, uh-huh. right? So when you go into situations, it's not, a, it's not about me. It's not about my happiness. It's about what is it that I'm doing for my family, Right. What is it that I, that, that the sacrifices I think are baked into the pie when you get married? Because I, I do think that you do, you know, uh, die to yourself a little bit and you say, okay, I am putting that person that I was aside and I'm now giving myself to this person for the purpose of being a family. And maybe you're like still the same guy, but you're also not doing the, th- the things that you were doing before because you're making sacrifices because you're now a family. You're now one unit. Right. And I think that when we talk about divorce, I think we're, we're very, e- like we, we, we very easily can say, or skip over that part. We can say, that's not the case anymore. I'm doing this for me. We, and like, we forget why we got into it in the first place. And I'm speaking very ignorantly here because I am not married yet. But when I see divorce rates this high, I got to imagine that that idea of a marriage doesn't really exist. It doesn't permeate through society. And it's not taken that seriously because we can just so flippantly say, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to end it. And then we're say it's because of our, because, you know, our individual differences that we can't reconcile when in the first place, those didn't matter. Cause that's why you get married. Cause those don't matter. I don't know. That's just me. Who do you think files for divorce more men or women? Women. Yeah. By a tune of like three to one. Yeah. I would guess because I think men are quicker to cheat, which I think would cause a lot of divorces and mm. women being maybe like a little bit more emotional are probably quicker to say, fuck this, fuck you. I'm done with this. 
coming for half your money, bitch. <laughs> I could, I could just, I think that'd be, I could definitely see how that would happen. <laughs> Interesting racial statistics. Okay. About marriage. The lowest rate of divorce by ethnicity is Asians, 12.4%. Hmm. Next up is white folks at 15.1%. Hispanics at 18.5%. Black folks at 30.8%. The black divorce rate is the highest among other races at 30.8%. That's interesting, man. I, not, I I can say none of my black friends, like we talk about marriage quite often, and I usually kind of get made fun of for being married. Oh, really? Yeah. They. Then uh, this is a generalization. I'm not speaking for all black people. I'm just the people that I'm fraternized with. Like they, they yeah, they just don't see why you would stop living the life or the fast life or doing what, whatever the fuck you want to do and, and like adhere to one person and their rules and they're, you know, splitting money with them or taking on like their debts. That's a lot of things that have come up a lot is like, she is so in debt from school. Why the fuck would we want to start mm -hmm. our marriage and then both go a hundred grand in the hole or 50 grand in the hole. But yeah, like the, a lot of the, of my friends that I've, I've talked to about it, like just aren't into the idea, kind of like make fun of me for a one woman system. Well, <laughs> the statistics back that up. Uh, black adults also make up the largest share of never of the never married group. Notably, 79% uh, of 25 to 29 year old black women were never married as of 2016. Hmm. Um, that's still pretty young, but not really. 25 to 29, those like that's like prime getting married years. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was so, surprised when you said that like the highest divorce or the first divorce was at 30. I, I feel like none of my friends are even getting married. I mean, I had a few friends get married, like Pat got married when he was 21. And I'm mm -hmm. sure there's a lot of those marriages that would just happen too early, too fresh out of college, high school, where they, I guess, yeah, by the time you get to 30, it's like, fuck this. But I feel like most people I know aren't even getting married till like right now, like at 30. Sure. You know? That's crazy. Well, that, those are averages, so true. Uh, yeah, uh, true. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure how that even works out. But here's the top five occupations with the highest divorce rate, starting with gaming and casino managers. Fifty three percent of really? those folks get married, uh, get divorced. Yeah, interesting. I wonder why. Bartenders, fifty two point seven percent. Flight attendants, uh -huh, mm -hmm. fifty point five percent. Jacqueline turned me on to this person that like kind of gives an inside look at a flight attendant's day-to-day. -day. Yeah. And like how often they're, you know, messing around with their partners or, you know, I'm going, obviously, especially if you're going international, <laughs> if you're yeah. just flying all over the world and you're not at home and you're meeting up with strangers and yeah, I'm sure that barrier goes down quick. A lot of times it's like the same paths. Like my buddy, uh, Jeff, he's a attendant for uh, United and he like has like the same route and he kind of goes all over the world, but like within some kind of like a normal tempo. So like he has like friends in Paris, he's got friends, you know, up in wherever they go in Canada and out in California. Like he kind of just has like little communities from like the places he frequents when he flies. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see how, you, you know, he could get, you know, your hoe here, your hoe here, <laughs> just kind of hoes in different mm -hmm. area codes, man. <laughs> you bet. But casino floor, I, I don't get the casino one. That, that's great. Like the first two you said, I would never think would be high on that list. Yeah, cause gaming and casino managers and then gaming service workers are, are both in the top five. You think they're just seeing so many hookers at casinos that they're just like tempted often? I don't know. Maybe it's the hours they work. Um, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's a it's a high stress, like high adrenaline work atmosphere. Yeah. Someone's always watching you. I'm so, I mean, maybe it's just like the stress that comes with that job. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Switchboard operators are in the top 10. Textile knitting operators. I don't know. This, is, this is odd. So, okay. So in the long run though, would you say that you benefited or suffered from your parents' divorce? Suffered greatly. You think so? Oh yeah, man. It's rough. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I obviously I can't say that it would have been better had they not gotten divorced. But like you turned out great. Like you, you got a good head on your shoulders. And like, I think some of that comes from what happened in your past for sure. You know, like you could have turned out much differently from some of the stuff you described to me from your childhood. Like that could have affected you at a way deeper level than like what, yeah. you know, how you turned out, which is a fantastic young man. Very good looking too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's interesting. It goes back to a question that I always ponder and that is, if I'm striving for a better life for myself and my family mm -hmm. and I achieve that, 
how much strife or how much struggle do I purposefully put my child through or children that happens to be because I do agree with you that I think what I had went through obviously shaped who I am today. And I think it was overall a benefit and that's, you know, that's a testament to my mindset. Uh, and, and also the, you know, the fundamental upbringing that I was able to have, you know, through my grandma and through, you know, through my mom and, and Mm -hmm. the not so negative things about my upbringing were all in all a positive. I would say that I, I would, I, I appreciate what I had and what I had to go through. But I also remember when my parents weren't divorced and how happy that was and how cool that was yeah. and all the attention that I got from my dad and, you know, like the fact that they were together and we were, you know, grilling out in the backyard and playing catch and just, you know, all the things that you want from a family. Don't those memories feel so fleeting now? Because I have the same ones. My parents oh, yeah. got divorced when I was in second grade, but it's like I have vivid, distinct memories of certain Christmases all together and family vacations and and yeah man it definitely it, you know you, you got warm warm feelings it it's awesome but i i don't know if those would have continued through my life if they stayed together just because of how how different they were and how like it wasn't even like a toxic relationship between them i would say it's just mm. i don't see how they could have stayed together so i i don't know i and and now i have those warm feelings like with what happened from from afterwards you know like my dad remarried a black woman that like opened the fuck out of my worldview. I, I had so many different cultural influences, music influences. And like that, that I'm so happy that it happened literally, if not for just that reason and my sister, cause it, it's just like that changed who I was. Dude, I was this, I would have sure. just turned out to be this corny white dude from Ohio burbs, bro. And now I'm just a little bit less corny Basically white dude. What it is. <laughs> yeah. So all in all, it's a wash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough, dude. It's tough because I can't, I can't like speak to my parents situation and say that they should have stayed together, but mm-hmm. they should have like, they should have. And I'm not saying it's, it's any one person's fault that they, that they didn't. The way it happened is the way that it had to happen. Cause that's how it happened. But I I'm appreciative of that because it, it took my view of marriage and it shaped that as well. True. Yeah. You can learn from it. So like to me, you know, it's never been about the things that my parents got divorced for. It's, it's always been the opposite, right? The understanding that it's a struggle, but understanding that it's, it's a commitment. It's a, it's a vow. It's, it's, it's not just like a, you know, it's not, it's not just like saying I'm going to be your wife or your husband, but it's literally saying I'm, you know, I'm giving myself to you. And I'm not, I've not done that with any other person. I'm, I'm giving myself to you for life. And that means that everything that happens between now and when we pass away, I'm telling you that I'm going to be there for you and with you by your side, no matter what divorce for me is almost not even an option like ever. Like it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't ever make sense because like even the idea of irreconcilable differences, it's like, no, that that's not true. But like, and not that you would do this, but like, if you found out in 15 years that like your wife was cheating on you with two men or three, like whatever it was, like you would, you would find a way like that wouldn't fuck with you at all. Like you would find a way to swallow that and get through that and stay together. Like you don't see any scenario where you'd be like, okay, this is not, this isn't making Frank happy anymore. And you know, but see, it's not about my happiness and it's, ne- it's never going to be about my happiness. If, if that situation were to mm. occur, then it's like, okay, well, do you, do you want to be with those people that you're, that you're choosing to be intimate with? And if the answer is yes, then fine. This was never true in the first place. And that's going to hurt deeply, but that's fine. Yeah. Right. Like right. Then, then this was never, this was, but it's not about because I'm, I'm happy or not unhappy. It's because this vow that we made was never true. And if there were some things that were going on in our relationship that, that caused that to happen or, or caused her to go seek affection, uh, intimacy or attention from somebody else, you know, that, that to me doesn't say that like, oh, okay, now it's automatically done just because this thing happened in your relationship. Yeah. Is it a breach of trust and confidence? And like, is it, would it, would it be like almost impossible to get back to the point that we were previously? Yes. But it doesn't change the fact that a lifetime vow was made Mm -hmm. and it comes with everything. It comes with everything. And so you need to be, if you're going to make that commitment, then you need to be ready to weather everything. And also make sure you're going to marry somebody that you know is not going to do that to you. That to me is like the simplest thing. And I feel like people don't ever, ever 
take into account uh, the fact that their choice of partner is on them. And, and this isn't always the case. But if I found out in 20 years that my wife has been sleeping around on me, I, I can promise you that's never going to happen. But I, I would say that for the majority of people that does happen with, they could have saw that coming. And they could have yeah. saw that coming before they got married. Yeah, most likely. Most likely. But it, it's funny you say like the the learning from your situation because it, it was the same going into our marriage. Like it's always been a focal point of like, we're going to do whatever we can to stay together. Just realize like what the family unit means. And like, we want it. That is so valuable to us that it's like, we have to stay together. But I'm still, I, honestly, I'm glad it happened to me because I, I grew so much as a person and learned so much. And both my parents are far happier now than they would have been. So it's a sticky wicket, man. Yeah. You, you learn, you learn what not to do. You, mm -hmm. you, you learn, um, you know, kind of on the, on the opposite, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum of how to be. And, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, wh whatever way you, you slice it. Yeah. Those, those lessons are valuable and it's, it's good to hear that you're taking them, uh, taking them to heart. I think that's, I think that's a good, uh, good way to go about it. Yeah. Um, let's see a few months ago, we talked about El Salvador. Do you remember? No. They locked up like, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands oh. of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That were that were gang members. They just rounded them all up and put them in prison. Yes. Um, so the country of El Salvador was known for having the world's highest murder rate. And now they have the world's highest incarceration rate. Mm -hmm. On the surface, doesn't that make sense? You would think so. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what they saw with stop and frisk too? As racist as the tendencies were, they actually sure. worked. <laughs> Which is ugh, right. That's that's so the tough. strategy has helped lower the homicides in El Salvador by 92% compared oh with 2015, Ugh. giving the president of El Salvador the support of nine of every 10 Salvadorians. The number of Salvadorians illegally crossing the U.S. Mexico border has also dropped by 44%. And this mm. is the result of putting 68,000 people um, in prison in a country the size of Massachusetts. It's about 1% of their population that's behind bars right now, which is wow. wild. Wow. There's allegations of prisoner mistreatment. And the president, uh, I think his name is Bukele. I don't know how you pronounce that. B-U-K-E-L-E, -E, Bukele. Uh, Nayib Bukele. Um, during cabinet meeting in October, he said, yes, they'll have human rights, but the human rights of honest people are more important. Wow, interesting. So that raises the obvious question. Why aren't we doing that in the United States? Ah, uh, man. Right. If you, if you knew that there was a particular portion of the United States that had a, like any country, no matter how safe it is, is going to have a murder capital, right? Just this place has the most murders, right. but is that two to three murders a year? Or is that like six to 800 murders a year? Right. That's a lot of murders. Do you know how they went about it? Yeah. They found everybody with a tattoo and they locked them up. That, that, okay, so it was literally... That's okay. literally what they did because everybody in the MS-13 gangs will uh, identify themselves with tattoos, usually like facial tattoos. Now, I'm not saying going around America and arresting everybody with a tattoo. Yeah. Uh, th these are like pretty specific tattoos, but that's how they did it. Interesting. I think it gets into a, a very controversial conversation very quickly. And mm -hmm. You can see how this goes, right? Yeah, right. Because where are the highest murder capitals in the United States? Chicago, yeah. Baltimore, Minnesota. And the concentration of these areas, particularly where the murder happens, predominantly black people, predominantly black people. I'm not saying that we go in and we arrest every black person. Truly, that's not what I'm saying. But it, it, would, it would make sense that if you had a place that had the highest rate of murder, that place should also be coincided with the highest rate of incarceration. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I mean, and I'd love to hear where, where that, that logic is flawed. It probably is somewhere. And I think it's fortunately or unfortunately, however, however you, whatever your viewpoint is, is that these conversations now need to be talked through from a racial lens. We're saying, okay, yeah, maybe there's a ton of murder happening here, but why is that the result of this racial thing? And so I don't ever see this happening in the United States because it would be too much of a lightning rod from a racial standpoint. Because if you did that, then just by nature of crime statistics, which we all know that the crime statistics, especially in places where the murder rate is so high, are, they tend to trend towards African-Americans. So if you have that conversation, that's where it has to go. I just, I don't know. Nobody else has given a blueprint, right? Like we all talk about which way it should go or, or, or you know, it's the, it's the result of racial policies from tens or hundreds of years ago. And 
it, it, this, this is the result of that, right? But, but my question is, where do we go from there? Because it's untenable. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Nasrat Ahmad. He's a Lyft driver in uh, the DC area. And he was giving um, three teenagers a ride back from wherever. And these teenagers tried to rob him. And as they tried to rob him, he tried to resist. They shot him and he died. Three black teenagers who shot this guy who was a, uh, I think he was a, uh, a translator in Afghanistan. Mm. And he, f- he fled Afghanistan when Afghanistan fell last year, came to the United States, and then gets shot in the suburbs of D.C., and that juxtaposition, I just, I cannot wrap my mind around that. Like that is just so unacceptable. And that is, you know, we, we can't be saying on one end that we want to be this, uh, this bastion um, of, of refuge for those who want it and then allow for a culture that can just so flippantly kill this person at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this all ties into what's happening in France right now. They're dealing with like, Kind of their own George Floyd situation. It's their own George Floyd situation, and this ha- it has a it has a lot to do with immigrants, particularly from North Africa. Mm-hmm. Douglas Murray in the Spectator has an article um, about this. I'll read a little bit from this this article. He says that last week we learned that a woman in a park in Skegness, this is in the UK, was dragged into the bushes and raped by a 33 year old male. The man had arrived in the UK illegally on a small boat just 40 days earlier. Strangely, I cannot find. Uh, any anger about this. The story was reported in a couple of papers, but there was no uh, fulminating editorials or emergency questions in the house. And he goes on to say that in France, there's a body of a, of a girl named Lola Daviette, who is 12 years old, found in a travel trunk in Paris. She had been sexually assaulted, asphyxiated, stabbed, and mutilated. The person arrested for her killing was a woman of 24 from Algiers, who was in France illegally and living with the expulsion order. Uh, and while there was political anger around the killing, nothing happened. And then when uh, this, this man who got killed that caused all these riots, unjustifiably gets killed and causes these riots in France, it's just this big giant firestorm. And Douglas Murray in this article is saying that France is not the problem. It's not racist, pro- like racist policies or racist police that are the problem. It's the problem is that these immigrants have come into France and they have not, they have not assimilated into France. They have taken their culture and their behavior and their ways. They have brought it to France and France has resisted that because why wouldn't you? And now you have this inflection point. And I think you could say a lot of the same for America. Could you liken that to what we have going on with Mexico? And the gang culture that's coming up from there, that cartel kind of culture that, that comes in with illegal immigrants. Like obviously there's great illegal immigrants that are Absolutely. hardworking folks, but there's also a lot of criminals that cross our borders. Well, the problem is we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like the problem is right. that like it would be helpful if we even knew, but we don't because we let whoever we want in. Right. We are allowing our border to be porous. And then we're upset when when folks are saying that, gosh, I mean, that they even want to know what's happening, right? Who is coming across? It's not unfair to say that a portion of the the people who are coming from the southern border, and we don't know which portion, a portion of them are bad people and have done bad things. We've covered many times on this show about people who have gotten killed, who shouldn't have gotten killed because the person that killed them was illegally in the United States and had every chance to be deported and in some cases had been deported multiple times prior to them committing this murder. And so it's an idea that I think is really interesting, right? When you come into a country, I think the the expectation should be that you're assimilating into this country and that you're assimilating to the values and the morals and the traditions and the uh, the culture that is right. this country. It makes sense. In, instead, what's happening is you're allowing for the, 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 the mass immigration of not just people, but culture to permeate the United States so that they, um, they make it their own or whatever they want. And there's no expectation or uh, no barrier that says, you can't do this here. This mm. is how we do things. That's tough. At a point, that's what made the U.S. Yes, 100% correct. 100% correct. Oh, yeah. 
Colonials came in and a bunch of immigrants followed and they took over the country. Ben and Jerry's made it very clear on July 4th that this is stolen land, right? So we came in and we said, we are going to implement our morals and traditions in here and to hell with what you guys had going on in the first place. And so it's really tough, but you can't deny that there is a certain amount of agitation that's going on with the fact that we're allowing in tons of immigrants and we don't know what who they are. We're not keeping track of them and we're, we're, we're failing to, for, for, for political reasons, for show reasons, we're failing to say we're going to make this right and we're going to put in a system that corrects these wrongs and at least allows us to know and track the folks that are coming into this country who who, who are claiming asylum or yeah. are saying um, that, that they're, they're uh, fleeing persecution or, or what have you. Even more so in France, because they have centuries of tradition and centuries of culture. Um, and through what probably are great intentions of allowing refugees and immigrants from uh, war-torn countries to come in and seek a better life in France, there is what seems to be very little responsibility for the assimilation of culture into a place like France. And now you're seeing these riots. I'm not saying that's a good justification for them, but it, I mean, to me, it's kind of, it seems to, it seems to be with, with the cases. I don't know. Do you see it? Do you see it differently? No, no, I, I agree. I, I think the point we're at now, man, is, is we need to do a, a refocusing of, of priorities. I, I think we're, we're stretched too far across the globe and too many geopolitical fucking issues and, and, and whatnot, and we need we need to focus back on America. Like I, I, I hesitate to say this, but make actually make America great again because we're falling off in so many categories. Like while we're still throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at Ukraine and all these other situations around around the world, and it's like our education system is is so deeply flawed, and that fucks us in so many ways down the road. But like that money, that attention needs to be focused on education. It could be focused on our borders, tightening them up, making it easier to immigrate into this country if you're doing so legally and, and you know, you're a good person. Like, obviously, we want to bring good people into this country. So finding ways to make that easier because that process is a nightmare for people to try to become citizens. You know, and just, like, focus on our infrastructure, transportation system. Like, so many things I feel like are just failing here in America just because we're so focused on trying to fuck you to you to Russia or to China or, you know, try to somehow maintain this like strength with hundreds of military bases all around the country or all around the world. And it's, it's like, we're, we're failing so many different ways here. I, I just feel like we need to get that shit right before we're trying to dip our fingers and, and stir the pot in all these other places, man. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think there's like a, a, a real, like a concerted effort to force culture, to make culture happen, to, uh, you know, to protest, um, for, for rights, right. And to, and to get, to get so riled up over every single Supreme court decision or every single law that's passed or, you know, Uh uh, you know, what, what books uh, are, are Florida looking at this week? You know, all these, all these little things that we love to fight about. Uh, but like you said, wouldn't it be great if we decided that we're going to create a culture that doesn't allow for bridges to fail? that doesn't allow for potholes to, to show up on, on every street corner, that fixes the drinking water in places where it needs to be fixed. And these things are, are, are the focus, and the focus isn't on what, whatever topic of the day it happens to be the divisive topics. Like they, they're all topics that drive, drive away or, or even, even something that's not divisive, like saying, Hmm, um, we look at the statistics and St. Louis, Missouri has the highest murder rate in the United States, any major American city in the United States, that's not acceptable. And this, and that's it. That's not acceptable. And, and, and like literally don't, like don't take it any further than that. How are we going to fix that? Yeah. And together come together and fix it. And, and, and not take into account so personally what it means for this group or this group or that group or for these people and not be so bipolar when we're talking about these things because our, our focus is not on what matters. Our focus is on the perception of what we're doing is. Meanwhile, we're allowing the infrastructure for America to crumble and we're allowing the culture of America to crumble. How can any place that is impoverished thrive when they're leading the country in murders? How can any community thrive when they're losing their community yeah. members at a rate so true. that is untenable and people are just living living in, in suffering and and they have no hope, right? It, but but the, the focus isn't there, and so I think it's I think we can take a look at France, 
like, ah, oh, well, like I, I think George, I think George Floyd was just like a, you know, I think that was just like a flash in the pan. To be honest with you, I, I don't think that was anything compared to what's going to happen, mm. particularly when it comes to this 2024 election. I don't think we're, I don't think we're prepared at all for the, the psychological abuse that is going to be thrown at us because we care so much who, who, who the president is. But I, I guarantee you, you can't tell me who your, who your Congress, who represents you in Congress right now. Yeah. Who's, right. who's the, who's the, who's the mayor of your town? Mm-hmm. Who's on your city council? Right. Those are the things you have control over, but you're not interested in that. And I'm not saying this is your fault. This is a hundred percent, probably the fault of the powers that be because you're so in tuned to what is happening on a national level that you think your and all of your emotion and, and all of your energy needs to go towards that, right? You see a Supreme court decision and you just think it's the end of the world without looking and saying, Oh, you're telling me like more than 70% of Americans agree that affirmative action should be struck down because ABC news is telling me that this is a rogue court. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's that kind of thing that, that doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't add up. So it's incumbent upon you. You, you, the listener need to take it upon yourself to, to find out what is happening because Obviously, the the people that you're supposed to trust have, have failed you. They're, 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 they're no longer uh, a, a, a place that you can turn to. And this is why I hope so much that somebody like RFK Jr. can like break through and, and can take it to the next level. I was just going to say this to you. I saw a ticket. I saw an option, a path forward that I think would be beneficial, I guess. It hesitate to say it a little bit, but there's talks uh, because of the treatment that RFK Jr. is getting from his own party right now of a possible Trump RFK ticket to, you know, bring the people together, bring the parties together, push forward and, and kind of get away from them. Wouldn't that be something? I, dude, I don't see how that ticket loses to, especially to fucking Smokey Joe, but like, I don't, I don't see how that ticket loses. And I, I, I would love, I think that's such an interesting idea. I don't know how that, if it ever has happened or how it hasn't happened in the near like past or anything, but like, that's an interesting idea to have both parties represented in, in president and vice president instead of it being, all right, we're all Democrat for eight years. Now we're all Republican. Like just the swinging of the pendulum instead of like the working together of the parties in those two offices. Like I, man, I, I definitely see a lot of good that could come from that. I obviously I see a lot of disagreement that could come from it as well. And, and kind of feel like that's where we're at now. Like usually the president, whoever holds that office, then the other party is pushing hard to go and take over the house, you know, or, or to win Congress just so they can, mm-hmm. they can stall them and, and slow their policies down. It's, it's it's not really beneficial for any side. So it's like if we have yeah, so like a true bilateral ticket. Yeah, dude, I, man, I I I that would yeah. vote for that ticket That'd right now. Incredible. I got I no problem saying I would vote for that ticket. I I love that idea. I, I don't know if we'll see it happen, but I love that. I doubt it, but <laughs> it's it sounds almost like too too good to be true. But you know, um, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr is as, you know, as much of a shit lib as you can get. I mean, literally he's from where he draws his social values from. I don't necessarily agree with any of what he says, mm. but I know where his heart's at. Right. And I know how he handles problems and I know what he takes into account when he's thinking through an issue. Cause I've heard him speak and I'd vote for him. Yeah. Cause he's not like, cause he's not an asshole. Cause he's not lying. Mm-hmm. Cause he's not, he's not blowing smoke. He's not telling me what I want to hear. Would you say the same about Bernie Sanders? No, fuck no. Bernie Sanders, no. Bernie Sanders is, is just, is just as ingrained of a politician as anybody. He's, he's as much a, a part of the institution as like Trump is now. Like, like Trump's a, Trump is very much ingrained in the swamp that he says he's trying to, trying to, sure. trying to drain. And, and who knows, maybe Robert Kennedy gets there and, and that's, uh, that's what he becomes. I, I doubt that he even gets there, but I, I tell you what, he has my vote. And I, I couldn't ever imagine voting for, you know, just some like run in the mill liberal, but that, that's not who he is. You know, anybody who, who wants to speak real truth to power, like real truth to power has got my vote. And this guy's got it hundred percent. If he, if he, if he gets a ticket, you know, he's got momentum. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he does something, maybe he doesn't, but I think his voice is very important. And I think people are listening as much as, as he's trying to be silenced. Um, I just saw something uh, on Twitter about uh, who was the publication a lot of folks are trying to discredit uh, RFK, RFK Jr. And when I see, when I hear that, when I see that, that that gets me interested. Oh, okay, why, why why are you trying to do that? Because I I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't trust what you're trying to say. Uh, if it's if it's mainstream media, everything that comes from the government or from mainstream media, I automatically think 
is untrue. And I believe the opposite. So anyway, I don't know. I was kind of ranting there, but no, you're good. You're good. But I, I, I really hope, I really hope that somebody like that breaks through because I think more people than are given credit for are ready for a voice like that on both sides. And if you're telling me that they're going to join up on a ticket, I don't think that that, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's interesting. There's still a lot of never Trumpers out there. There's still a lot of people who would, you know, rather move away than vote for Donald Trump, but it'll be interesting. It's, I, I just like the idea of a combined party ticket. And I, the, right now those make the most sense to me just with the, with what I'm seeing, but yeah. man, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Real quick before we got out here where I know we're running up against it, but have you ever had the prime energy drink before? Never. It's so pretty good. I I liked them a lot when they came out, but you know, bright neon packaging. They catch your eye at the store all the time. Flavors are pretty solid. They're under fire right now, though, as uh, Chuck Schumer has basically called on the FDA to look into them mm. <laughs> due to like what they're finding is in the drink. Which I don't know how this wasn't more known. Like it's it's this information seems like it'd be easy to get. So I don't know why now they're they're trying to make this pivot. But uh, the the beverage brand was started by YouTube stars Logan Paul and KSI. Oh, uh, okay, f- yeah, yeah, I know this one now. You know, yeah, okay, for sure. Okay, okay, it's pretty good. It's 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 solid. I drank them for a little while, but like just once you, you I kind of got too tired of the taste or whatever, um, because it's it's a strong. I don't, it's not aspartame, but it's like whatever the flavoring, the sweetener is in it. It's it's just gets to be much. Um, but what they're finding now, and, and this I, I would have had to have been public knowledge. I don't know why it's like under the microscope now after it's already been FDA approved in the past, but mm-hmm. the drink in the 12 ounces contains 200 milligrams of caffeine, is which is equal to six cans of Coke or two Red Bulls. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah. And, and I, what they're complaining about is that obviously since KSI and Logan Paul are behind this, that it's targeted towards the youth more, or at least those people have like the most pull in that, in the youth, uh, demographic. And there, there's two versions. There's one with no caffeine, but there's this one with caffeine, which they're saying can be like super damaging to a young developing brain body, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're af- asking the FDA to step in. Uh, and, you know, Prime isn't really pushing back. They're saying like, we're, we welcome discussions with the FDA, any other organization regarding suggested industry changes that they feel are necessary to protect our customers and consumers. But it just bears like the question, like, should something like this be available? Like, should should responsible adults be able to pick what the fuck they want to put in their body? I would say yes. But at the same time, it's, it's just as, this isn't like a, you know, you must be 18 or 21 to buy kind of a thing like tobacco and alcohol or firearms, you know? This is, you can go to the store and buy this at any age, no, you know, easily get it. So like, do you think there should be any kind of restrictions brought in for, a caffeine drink, you know, or do we just got to let the free market be the free market? I mean, no, like, yeah, like free market, fine. Obviously you need to have regulations, right? Like four loco can't have that much alcohol and caffeine. It's a great decision. I'm for that. Yeah, right. I don't know yeah. what a, like a excessive amount of caffeine is and what the, I have no idea. I have no clue. And it's interesting that Charles Schumer of all people is asking for that again. I'm so cynical that if, if Chuck Schumer is asking for something to be looked at, that probably means that he has a financial interest in a competitor. Do yeah, I know right. that? No. In Red Bull or something. But I'm almost <laughs> positive that that's the case. Because that's what yeah, these assholes are about. Sure. Why would Chuck Schumer be worried about how much caffeine is going into a drink? Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would he care? Yeah, right. He wouldn't. Right. So I don't know. Um, I've never that's had it. one. Yeah, I just thought it was it, it was interesting. It, they're good. Try one. They're They're decent. Prime. Prime energy drink. Yeah. Um, Try them out. Cool. Well, yeah, I do have to get out of here, but uh, good to be back. Good to be back. I'm going to be camping next week, so it'll be missing us, but I think we've got an interview lined up or something, right? We should have we something might. cool. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten... Uh, Hopefully. I haven't gotten confirmation, but we'll see. All right, we'll see. If not, we'll talk to you in a few weeks or something. Figure it out. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to reach us, you can find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Friendship News Hour. Some lovely new animations. And you can always send us an email to bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Adios. See you next time.